You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend, Frank Madden. And Frank, I was messing around a little bit on iTunes today, and I was going through the sports podcasts, and lo and behold, there was a certain podcast in the top 200, and that podcast would be Locked on Bucks. So I wanted to start today by... Thanking all of our listeners. Shout out to all of you guys. I, I guess I should probably also shout out Giannis for being awesome and making people want to listen to two, <laughs> two, two people talk, talk about, about him. Yes. Um, so thank you, Giannis. We really appreciate it. Uh, but that was kind of cool. So shout out to all of our listeners for. I mean, I mean, we're we're one of the more I, I think popular locked on uh, shows, and it's mainly just because everyone seems to be so ravenous about. Uh, consuming Locked On Bucks podcast. So shout out to all you guys. Yeah, and I, I remember uh, early, um, and I was actually trying to dig this guy because I was so surprised I took a picture of it. But last summer when we kind of did our initial, you know, the way the iTunes rankings go, it's usually it's, you know, like new podcasts, you mm-hmm. get a ton of reviews, um, and then you, you kind of shoot up the rankings and then you kind of fall back. And yeah, I was just checking. We were we were 29 last last i don't know june or july or something like that so when we were when everybody was helping us out giving us all those podcast ratings so and and then i don't know i didn't i never checked it um but uh but yeah i was surprised because i think the only other ones that were ahead of us were were david locks locked on nba and and david's locked on jazz which are obviously sort of the the forebearers of our our entire podcast oh and josh's uh Oh, Josh locked on Lawrence, fantasy, locked yeah. On fantasy basketball. Yeah, which which makes sense, right? Because those are like the general pods, and yep. you know, David's obviously the the radio voice of the team. So, um, so yeah, very cool. I I don't know how to explain it. Um, <laughs> one other one other kind of random housekeeping note: we mentioned it. Um, if anybody is having any problems, um, or they're not getting new podcasts in their in their RSS, you should be getting it. We we I think we mentioned you may see us um, if you follow us on Twitter and see us tweet out the links to the shows. We're, we switched from uh, Audio Boom to uh, Megaphone, which is Panoply, which does a bunch of other big podcasts. Yeah. So it's our new, you know, it's it, your RSS feed, which is how you get the podcast in your podcasting app was switched over with us. So you should have had a seamless experience. I know I had no issues with, uh, with my, uh, Apple podcasting app on that front, but if for some reason, like you normally listen to us through your podcasting app and it hasn't been updating, um, tweet at us, let us know just cause I haven't really heard anything about it, but, yeah. um, you know, it's always possible. And, and again, you may need to like resubscribe or, or something like that to, to the RSS, but, I had a friend today that tweeted me and was like, Dude, why haven't you guys put out any pods? And I was like, we have. And he was, and then he screenshotted me the audio boom page, 
And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that would be, that's the reason. That's the reason why you didn't end up getting it. So um, it, it may not be, if you are listening to this, you're probably getting it. But if some of your friends also listen to the pod and are complaining about how we're not doing pods, well, we are just uh, help direct them in the right direction or send them over to us on Twitter. I'm at Eric underscore name and Frank is at F Madden NBA. So, so go ahead and do all that and yeah, keep on listening and keep on commenting. And I know I talked about it on Twitter. Whoever gives us our 100th five-star review is going to get to ask a question on the podcast. Um, I'm trying to think of other ways to incorporate people. Um, whether that yeah, be I'm going to, I'm going to do question. something better. I'm, I'm gonna do something better. If you give us the the hundredth, um, the hundredth, uh, pick out a T-shirt from the Buck store. I will we'll send it to you. How about that? That's a better one than an- us answering a question. Ooh, you know, come on, you know come what? on, Eric. We one, we answer questions no, for free. No, then we're going even further. It's not 100 for a T-shirt. It's got to be further okay. out because we only need three to get to 100. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, like th- three people can right, listen. We'll go. We'll go hundred. A number hundred. Number one hundred gets a T-shirt, and then pick another one. One fifty. I don't know. Something like 125, that. One twenty-five. One fifty. Which one? Okay. Uh, let's go one twenty-five. Okay. Number number hundred. Number one twenty-five. Tweet tweet at us. I don't know how how can we even figure this out, Eric? Are we are we even going to be able to verify this? I think it's only got, it's like... got to be people that you ha- you have to leave some sort of comment with it. You're right. Then we should and know. a five star review, obviously. Correct. It's got to be a five star review okay. with a comment. Uh, okay. So that would be the way that we would know. Uh, as we go through all of this. And if we don't figure it out, well, then maybe we'll just look at the last 26 people that did it or 28 or 30 or whatever. Am, and, am I, are, am, are you going to stick me with having to buy like 50 people shirts or something like that? Or because I thought this is going to end this end badly, but I, I don't know. But anyway, we'll, we'll take care of people and we'll I think, I think we out. can figure it out. We're, we're okay. two pretty smart guys. We're, we're, we're smart enough. Okay. Well, Hey, all right. This has been very self-indulgent. People are fired up about the monkey bucks. And the Milwaukee Bucks are heading home from their season opener boss and they're one and oh. I mean, the the national like sports center led with this game, obviously in part because it's Gordon Hayward follow up and all that stuff, but whatever. Giannis stole the Rachel show. Rachel Nichols led the jump with the Giannis yeah. segment today. There's there's tons of, you know, Giannis is he's an MVP candidate. Like, look, you know, all that stuff, which, you know, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and yeah, all of us fine. are just like, well, yeah, um, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He uh, Giannis is uh, the league's leading scorer at 37 points a game, which is fun. Uh, and so, but no time to, to celebrate. We're one of 82. And this weekend, a couple of, Big games and and a kind of strange sequence of games in that the Milwaukee Bucks open their last season at the BMO Harris Bradley Center on Friday night against the Cleveland Cavaliers, which uh, should be electric. We've obviously seen the Cavs and Bucks have some really good game, or at least let's just say this: the, the Bucks have been more competitive with the Cavaliers at home than uh, maybe you would have expected over the last couple yeah. of years, given how good the Cavs have been. Um, Giannis had sort of a coming out party uh, against Giannis or sorry, against LeBron a year ago in the home game. Um, and then in the second home game, I was actually in that game and it was a great game. They lost in overtime. That was the Brogdon dunking on yep. uh, Kyrie and LeBron and Jabari <laughs> Parker had a nice game. Anyway, it was it was a fun game, even though they lost. Um, so we know the Bucks, the Bucks tend are going to get up for it. Yeah, the Bucks are going to get up for this game. And of course, Le- uh, LeBron famously a year ago, you know, was like, oh, they seem to you know, get up for the, uh, for us, but if they're true professionals, they'll get up for the random games. <laughs> so, uh, you know, okay. We hear you, LeBron, we hear you. And 
you know, they laid an egg in one of the later games or Giannis laid an egg in one of the later games, which was disappointing in Cleveland. But um, but nonetheless, you expect to them to come out buzzing. Um, the building should be incredible. Um, it, it's it's exciting. You know, it was funny. I saw pictures from the uh, Detroit Pistons first game at the Little Caesars Arena, uh, which I don't know. It's hilarious that they used to play in the Palace at Auburn Hills and now they play in the Little Caesars Arena and it's not called the Palace anymore. But um, it would have been perfect. Yeah, but uh, no such problems. An empty arena in in Detroit, which is pathetic. Um, But no such problems, I predict, in Milwaukee, uh, even though we haven't moved into the new building yet. Uh, It's going to be great. It's going to be electric. Hopefully the Bucks. I I tweeted out a picture of the shooting shirts that they're giving away. um, Oh, yeah, those are nice. Because I got got a chance to take a look at it. And someone tweeted at me like, oh, man, it should be for all the fans, not the first 10,000. And I was like... Just get to the goddamn game. Early. Yeah, I was like, I think that's a great reason to one remind everyone that it's a six o'clock tip and not a seven o'clock like normal, and that's your incentive. Get to the game on time, and you're gonna get one of those shooting shirts. Uh, but yeah, they they don't have to worry about getting rid of all ten thousand. I don't think there'll be any extras. I, I think they'll get ten thousand comfortably and probably sell it out tomorrow night. So uh, yeah, it should be a bunch of fun. It should be a big one. Um, and it's going to be an interesting one. And I guess we haven't talked about how we're going to handle the weekend. There are back-to-back games. I'm not sure if we're going to record Friday night or kind of what we're going to do. But we'll figure it out, and we'll let you guys know. It depends. If if they win, I'll be much more excited to record. <laughs> Breaking yes. news. That's, yes. that's just how my brain works. But, yes. So we'll get that figured out. But one thing I was thinking about a little bit today, Frank, and I think that's where we'll start today, is I've been thinking about this back-to-back where you see Cleveland – and you see a Portland, and as I was sort of thinking about it, I found myself thinking I might be a little bit more fearful and worried about that Saturday night game than the Friday night game. And it's not because it's a ba- it's a back to back. The Blazers will also be on a black on a back to back, so I don't think that's really a concern, but. Just the idea that when I think about the Cavs, and obviously we've spent a lot of time talking about the Cavs this week because they were one of the first teams to play, and they're obviously a team that the Bucks kind of target. When we talked about it, uh, that Cavs team with Wade and Rose playing 30 minutes a night, with the Cavs trying to figure out exactly who they are, they're not shooting as many threes as they used to. I just don't know if I... I have the same level of fear for that game as I do. And then when I think about the Blazers, I think about Terry Stott's offense and how it's always buzzing around. There's so much ball movement. And uh, I think of when we talked about it during our old friends podcast with Steven Jeremy, I talked about, I think Myers Leonard making (laughs) that pass in the middle. And I just get flashbacks to that. And again, maybe it's not Myers Leonard that's going to make the pass this year. Maybe it's Caleb Swanigan instead, but I just think of Portland and how they move the ball and how they attack the defenses and how difficult they've made it on the Bucks in the past. And I think I'm maybe a little bit more fearful of that game. Is that crazy? I don't think it's crazy. I mean, it, I would say it this way. If the Bucks win both games, then on some level I'll be more impressed that they won on Friday and then managed to not have a letdown on Saturday yeah. against a team that is, again, can – 
certainly win that game. Um, they have certainly the talent level uh, to, to win. I mean, we saw them. I, I don't know what it means. We saw them just utterly annihilate Phoenix on the road in their only game played so far. So for whatever that's worth. Um, but obviously they're talented. But this is also a team that the Bucks beat twice last year, uh, including on the road. And so, you know, again, obviously, this, you, you know, I look at the 538 predictions, you know, of, of win probabilities. The Cavs are actually a 52% favorite on Friday. The Bucks are a 62% favorite on Saturday. So, you know, the numbers, not surprisingly, would tell you, yes, you would expect to beat the Blazers more often than you expect to beat the Cavs. But I agree. I think just from a, you know, uh, psychological perspective, uh, this is a team that has been competitive with the Cavs. And as you said, I think the Cavs, the way that their roster has changed over the summer, I think makes them more vulnerable to the Bucks just because they have a bit less shooting. Um, and, and, but you know, we'll see, right. Um, th- this is a, still a team that has LeBron James first and foremost. Uh, you know, they have Jay Crowder now as well. That's obviously the the big sort of plus addition that they made with Isaiah Thomas being hurt for a while. So they have obviously guys on the wings who can, um, at least to some extent, you know, match up and, and defend the Bucks wings, which is obviously where, where their strength is. So it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, and I think certainly, um, you know, people will be watching for if Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose uh, can can outduel their far less uh, heralded, uh, you know, op- opposing numbers and Malcolm Brogdon and Matthew Dellavedova and Tony Snell and company. But uh, but yeah, it'll I think it'll be a really good test. I, I think, I, you know, if I had to guess, part of me would kind of feel like picking the Bucks, Um and I'm probably setting myself up for disappointment. But. I do think they have a really good shot there. And I think also, as you're alluding to, because that second game is coming on a back-to-back where you're going to be coming off that emotional high of the home opener, the emotional high of playing against LeBron and company. And and I don't know. I mean, it's just such a weird thing to play a back-to-back at home. Like, that just doesn't really happen. So, again, I mean, I suppose I'd rather play a back-to-back at home versus uh, a back-to-back, you know, home road. But um, it's still weird, and, and you just don't know how guys are going to react. And um, obviously, coming off of uh, potentially, a, you know, if if it, if it can be really competitive on Friday, excuse me, on Friday, um, it may be, you know, they may be a little tired coming back on Saturday. Although, fortunately, the Blazers are also playing a back-to-back coming in from Indiana. So, um, so yeah, hopefully, my my view always, I hope the team wins the game before they come in on a back-to-back. So. Uh, if the Blazers take care of business against the Pacers, maybe they feel a little bit satisfied that they at least got a split yep. of that Midwestern trip. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think the Blazers can certainly, uh, you know, they, they are very liable to to maybe surprise the Bucks a little bit, especially if the Bucks can't bring maybe that same a- effort and, and intensity that, that you'd expect to see Friday. So as we look forward to this next game, one of the things I was obviously thinking about was the first game of the year where, where the Bucks win 108-100 and... I just want there was a couple news and notes type of things. Uh, I tweeted out before we had a gotcha moment with Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, during his post game interview after the game. Uh, one of the questions he asked or he was asked was about how you see things in a double team or how you make plays or something like that. And he mentions the fact that since he's seven foot or thank God I'm seven foot. I can look over double teams and defenses. So, ha-ha, Giannis, you are seven feet tall. We all knew it, and now you admitted it, and we can all talk about it. So I am I was, I was, took a little bit too much joy out of that, probably in the same way that you took some joy out of him now being 
233 pounds. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, and then the other thing was uh, after the game on the way back to Milwaukee, Marcus Johnson had tweeted out, um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was a picture or a short video of um, of Giannis looking at film on the way back from Boston. Uh, and I think it was, it was with Sweeney or, or maybe kid, one of the two uh, in the seat next to him. And they were already studying the clips from that night. And it was funny. I, I ran into Jim Paschke today and we were talking about it a little bit. And, and Jim was saying that on the way to Boston, he was kicked out of his seat on the plane uh, because Sweeney, wanted to sit next to Giannis or maybe it was kid one of the two that on the way there they needed to get some more clips in and they needed to look at some more stuff so they they kicked him out of his seat so that they could have whatever row it was on the plane and then on the way back exact same thing and I know this year anytime we've been there after practices we'll have the media availability and then as soon as Giannis is done there um, with the way the training facility is set up, there's just a door for him to walk into, and the film room is pretty much right by the the media availability area. And every single time, get done with media availability. All right, guys, see you later. Right into the film room. And uh, I think if you're you're thinking about what the future looks like, how excited you are about the Bucks, like Giannis is crazy. Like that dude's. <laughs> That dude is just insane with how much he wants to look at and study video and just live and breathe the game. It's it's wild. Yeah, and there was the you know the, the that video I, I enjoyed it that Marcus Johnson posted uh, after the game showing Giannis and and Sean Sweeney going over clips on like an iPad or whatever yep. uh, on the flight back. So um, I mean that's 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 something we've always known about Giannis that that he puts in the work. He's a student of the game and. Um, he's, he's also becoming a teacher of the game as it were, uh, if he continues to have the nights like, like we've seen for, for quite some time now, and especially, uh, on Friday, um, you know, it was interesting kind of turning back to these games, you know, I, I often look through or I often look at opponents and, and how much I like the Bucks odds. I've talked about this before through the lens of how much three point, you know, how much three point shooting is, is part of the opponent's game. And, um, you know, we talked about how the Bucks uh, holding the Pistons down the other night may not have said that much just because of the way the Pistons play. Um, you know, in- interesting with with Boston because they have previously shot more threes. Maybe they don't have as much personnel to shoot threes right now, but they did get up a fair number of threes uh, on Wednesday. Uh, and these teams are interesting because, uh, you know, you obviously think of Portland being a team that shoots a lot of threes just because their two best players are sharpshooters. Um, but interesting, you know, on uh, last year, they were 10th in, po- in uh, three-point attempts as a team. Uh, and you kind of look at the roster, and especially losing Alan Crabb now, traded to Brooklyn over the summer, they just don't have a lot of three-point shooting on the wing. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what that means for this game because obviously McCollum and Dame Lillard are, are always threats off the dribble, spotting up. You know, anytime they have breathing room, they are a threat to, to shoot from three. But when you think about what the Bucks do well, it's they probably defend 
at the point of attack and prevent those threes more than they do uh, threes from from the you know the ball movement, right? The corner three and and you know CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard aren't going to be parking in the corners all night long waiting for for open three pointers. That's where Al Farouk Aminu, that's where Evan Turner, um, those are the guys that that do tend to get those looks uh, in the corners. And you know they they have some pretty spotty guys out there. Farouk Aminu is kind of um, been up and down from year to year whether or not he can do that. Mo Harkless is another guy who's kind of like up and down. You don't know if you can really trust him to to make a lot of threes. So um, so that'll be interesting to see. And it was interesting to look last year. The Bucks win both games against Portland. Giannis with a triple-double. Jabari had 27 in the game in December when um, it was a pretty close game. I think I, I think Delhi actually made some good plays in that game, which was one of the few games last year where Delhi made big fourth-quarter plays. I'm, yep. I'm just saying at the top of my head, I think that's true. I think, um, that, I think he hit a couple floaters in that one. Yeah, and so they win, I think it was 115-107. Um, in that game, Portland hit 17 out of 43. So Woo. basically the Bucks needed an offensive explosion in order to hold them off. Uh, but interestingly, then as part of that late season road trip where the Bucks, you know, pretty much, I don't want to say salvaged their season because, you know, they were doing okay going into that. And then they really sort of cemented their status as a playoff team by reeling off a bunch of wins on that West Coast trip that we had circled before the year as being, you know, oh man, can they survive this trip? And they end up winning a bunch of games, including in Portland, where they won a game basically on the last possession. They had a nice defensive stand. And in that game, Portland shoots four out of 19. So basically a complete polar opposite in terms of their three-point shooting in that game versus early in the season. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that having Chris Middle back was responsible for cutting the number of opponent threes by the Portland Trailblazers by over half from one <laughs> game to the next. Uh, but you can only hope that the Bucks defense looks a lot more like it did in that second game versus uh, the way it looked in that first game. So um, we'll be interested to see kind of how, how this team, you know, kind of plays out again. I don't know if we got a good barometer of that in that first game. McCollum didn't even play because of a suspension in game one. So um, they'll have him back for the, for the first played, time. Though. Well, and you don't lose when Pat Connaughton gets gets minutes. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so obviously Portland, a, a team that can put up a lot of points, um, but a team that will give up a lot of points as well. So hopefully uh, the Bucks can can take advantage of that. And um, and of course, you know, applying that that lens of three point shooting again. Interesting. You know, we were talking about the other night, the Cleveland Cavaliers make only five out of 22 threes. Uh, in the game in their opener. And I think I want to say I saw a stat that was like they only had one game all season last year where they hit that few three pointers or something like that. Um, so, again, we'll, I mean, I don't think they're going to shoot that poorly all year long. They still have J.R. Smith. They still have Kevin Love, especially if he's playing center now. Um, you know, he obviously is a very unique spacer from that position. I could you know, I could see Dwayne Wade being passable as a three-point shooter he started hot last year and and then just trailed off greatly uh in chicago as a three-point shooter but um you know he his stroke seems like it should stretch out that's the thing i've never really understood about wade it just seems like he should be able to be okay at threes but um I don't know. We will see. Hopefully they will be more like the team we saw on Wednesday rather than the team we saw a year ago. Um, you know, you just hope that uh, that Jr. and Love don't get those open looks. And uh, I think I, I'm just really curious to see kind of how the sort of new look Cavs sort of match up with the Bucs. Um, as I mentioned, Crowder and LeBron obviously at the forward spots. Uh, those are, you know, a couple of guys who physically can match up, you know, pretty well. Uh, not that not that Crowder is like just a pure stopper or something like that, but um, a couple of guys who who do mesh, you know, are going to mesh well uh, if they're engaged against uh, the Bucks forwards. And um, we'll be interested to see Thon Maker matching up with Kevin Love and sort of how that plays out. Uh, because again, you know, the idea of going against a team 
not only where you have Thonmaker spacing the floor, pulling the opposing big man out to the perimeter, but when that starting center is Kevin Love, who is not doing anything to protect the rim anyway, um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, can the the Cavaliers do anything to wall off uh, Giannis in particular from from driving to the basket? And uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. It, it's going to be a big ask of, of Jay Crowder and, and LeBron because certainly they're not going to have any help on the back line. And they've got, you know, Wade and, and Derrick Rose who are not exactly known for their stellar high effort defense uh, at this point. So, yeah, it's an exciting weekend. I'm pumped. Um, a little nervous. I, I you know, y- you would hate to like lose both games. I would seriously doubt they lose both games, but um, what a what a huge boost that would be if you can come out of this weekend with a huge win against the Cavs and then keep it up and win uh, again on on Saturday. That would obviously be huge. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, but again, <laughs> you know, the East is is I, I, I again, I, I and I don't want to diminish what LeBron can do, and and he will always be there. You're always gonna have to go through LeBron in the East, but um, at least from a regular season perspective, um, the, you know, we'll say it again: the East is wide open. Yep. There is home court in the playoffs waiting to be snatched. Uh, the Bucks don't have to be the number one seed, uh, but you rack up wins against some of these teams, the Bostons, the Ca- the Clevelands, um, and even you know, so teams like Portland, a solid team, right? A West team, which you know, the West, oh, the West is so good. You, you keep up racking wins, win, racking up wins against these teams. Um, you, you just love to bank those now because they come in handy later. And, and who knows? Uh, a win over a team like Boston, a win over a team, maybe even Cleveland. Maybe that does play a role in a tiebreaker down the road if uh, if the Bucks can kind of put it all together and maybe some of these other teams don't uh, don't go all out, especially a team like like Cleveland, which probably doesn't feel like they need to be the number one seed in the East. Yeah, the video game boss in the East does not change. The boss will will be LeBron James until he decides to leave the Eastern Conference. So so that isn't changing, and I think you bring up a good point. I, that Boston team in the past uh, has been really tough-nosed defensively, and they probably will be more uh, of that team once Morris returns. But on Wednesday, th- there just wasn't really anyone that could match up physically with Giannis. And again, I don't know if that person exists. Like He was bouncing off of Aaron Baines and dunking on him um, as he was driving to the basket. So, so maybe that's just going to be par for the course for just about any position. But the fact that he was having guys like Tatum, uh, like Jalen Brown on him, those guys just aren't big enough, strong enough to cover Giannis. So seeing a guy like LeBron being able to cover him, Crowder obviously has a little bit more uh, beef to him than those two guys. So seeing Giannis go up against those two guys is going to be interesting because largely against the Celtics, there there wasn't really a jumper. He, he tried 1-3. There's a couple fadeaways in there. But for the most part, Giannis kind of knew, okay, I can get to the rim. And that was his focus, and he was going to attack. And even at times where last year I think he went to the step back, there was on on Wednesday it was okay. This is a spot where I go to a step back. You know what? I'm just going to back up and and keep the dribble alive, and then try to attack again. Which might be him just seeing who's playing him and who's covering him in that game against Boston, or maybe that's just a refinement of his approach. That okay. I am this physical force. I don't need to add that step back quite yet because I don't shoot it all that well. Uh, So let me try to get to the basket again because these guys can't stop me. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. And I'm 
I mean, anytime you can go against the best player on the planet, I think that's a huge test and a huge chance opportunity to make a statement that uh, you can play with LeBron and uh, you're you're right there on equal footing. So uh, obviously Giannis will get up for it, and that's going to be really interesting. Uh, the following night on that Saturday, obviously I, I've mentioned that I'm a little bit fearful of I don't know if a 43-point attempt night is in the cards, but certainly 30-plus, and, and that can always be dangerous. Uh, but as we look at the Bucks, I thought one thing that was interesting in Wednesday's game was the rotations, uh, which obviously it, it, we're talking about Jason Kidd and the Milwaukee Bucks. So that's, that's not something you should be all that shocked to hear us say, but the way that it was interesting this year is what kind of threw me because the Bucks do end up playing 10 guys, but Rashad Vaughn only plays three minutes. Mirza Toledovic only plays 11 minutes. Then John Henson and Greg Monroe are obviously a part of the, the trio at center um, that brought Don Maker's minutes down to just 14. And obviously we talked about that yesterday, but when you, look at the last one it's Delhi at 26 minutes and as you think through the rotations well that was three guys at the five Rashad Vaughn kind of at the two then <laughs> Toledovich uh, Toledovich has 11 minutes I think it's exactly the amount of minutes that Giannis is out Giannis played 37 he was yeah. in for 11 I don't think they shared the floor uh, they they did they did share the floor at one point. I was think it? The, okay. Yeah, I think, I think early in the fourth quarter, I want to say they were oh, on the court yeah, together. Yeah. yeah, but either way, it's only two or three minutes of them sharing the floor. So that draws the lines pretty distinctly, and that means Delhi gets 26 minutes while Brogdon plays 41. That's 18 minutes of Delhi at the two. I, I yeah, guess that, what, I, what I'm going to ask is, is that a trend going forward? Is this just a blip? Because obviously from game to game, we've seen Jason Kidd make – pretty drastic changes but when i think about who could play the two jason terry's on the list sterling brown's on the list and rashad vaughn's on the list i don't know that i trust any of those three all that much more than delhi i'm a big sterling brown guy but maybe he's just not ready yet because he's a rookie in a second round pick so i i don't i don't really know what happens there maybe maybe it is delhi going forward what do you think yeah, I mean, I think if um, if you give me the choice between saying, will the Bucks backcourt rotation include more guys or fewer guys with Jason Kidd involved, I'm going to say <laughs> more, right, by, yeah. by default. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, again, we're going to see all these guys. Um, I, I think I'm, cert- I'm sure this weekend I would expect that we'll see Sterling Brown. I'm sure we'll see Jet. Um, you know, at a minimum, we're going to need to see Jet um, trying to hug uh J.R. Smith, although he doesn't need to be on the court to do that. Um, so I, I think the um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how they kind of play that out um, moving forward. But but yeah, I mean, it's going to vary from game to game. I think I think the interesting thing to watch is, you know, how consistent is going to be, because, you know, certainly I, I just think of Jet. Right. And we talked we, we brought this number up a lot. You know, he played, what, 17 or 18 minutes a game in 74 games. So it wasn't like he was, you know, playing 13 minutes a game in 50 games where he just DNP'd a bunch of of nights he played pretty much every night and you know he was playing real nights granted sometimes granted sometimes it was more sometimes it was less 
but he was a guy that that definitely got real minutes and um you know we'll, we'll just kind of see how how that kind of plays out over time but i think the um i think the thing to bank on is always variability you know with that and i think the big question for me is is not so much does delhi play you know is it a three man guard back, guard rotation because i i just don't foresee that but i think the question is and i ask this because we saw so much of it last year is is Tony Snell going to be kind of the odd man out down the stretch of games because uh, Kid is going to go with Della Vadova and Brogdon together? And we obviously saw in crunch time early in the season, <laughs> with the exception of that random game against Portland, um, Delhi by himself as a point guard in late game situations was not good at all. Nope. Um, and you know, shout out to Delhi for for hitting. Uh, the big shot the other night and, and making some some really good plays overall in the fourth quarter with some passing, even though he only had that one assist credited to him. But um, so I, I don't know. I, I would tend to tend to think um, we're probably going to see a, a lot of of Delhi and Brogdon, though, together late in games, just because that was a theme that we saw often um, last year. Uh, and, you know, again, is that a good thing? Um, I, I don't know. Certainly the data last year would say um, it's not. The, the two of those guys together were a clear minus last year. Um, and, and so I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, this is kind of one of those things. I think that, you know, kid likes the insurance of having multiple ball handlers uh, on the court at the same time together. Uh, Tony, obviously for everything he does, especially defensively is not a guy that you really trust to um, touch the ball and do anything with it other than shoot it. Um, so that's obviously kind of the downside of, of trying to make it work with him. So, um, so I don't know, we will, I just have to see kind of how it plays out. I imagine though, we will see a lot of Delhi and Brogdon, um, obviously if they keep having the results we saw, uh, on Wednesday, we'll probably see more of it. But, you know, again, last year I got the numbers in front of me, 259 minutes together, um, which, which isn't that many, right? I think we saw a lot more of them together as the season wore on, especially as Brogdon began, began to get those late late season, late game minutes. Um, 108.8 points per 100 scored, which is, you know, pretty good, fine, not bad. Um, and then defensively, 117.3 points per 100 allowed. And, you know, again, like, that, there's probably a fair bit of noise in that. Like, is there a reason why Brogdon and Delhi defensively would be bad together? Like, not really, right? Like, they... They should be fine. Like, there's nothing about them inherently that would be bad. They're both solid defenders and they're versatile. Um, but for whatever reason, it just didn't didn't work last year. So, hopefully, this year will be different. Um, the starters were actually a minus in in game one, and they've had been a plus um, last year in that group together. So, we'll see kind of how that evolves over time. Obviously, you, you're going to need your starters to be a plus if you're going to be a good team in the NBA. Very difficult to to really be solid or, or even decent um, if uh, if you don't get good production from your starters because you're just banking everything on your bench, which, you know, again, unless you have just some very weird situation where you have great players coming off the bench, which, you know, as much as I like Greg Monroe, um, I would not expect, you know, the Bucks to be solely reliant on Greg Monroe carrying bench units. So, um, so anyway, long story short, I bet we'll see a fair bit more of Delian Brogdon together. I don't really know if it's the best idea in the world, especially given how much they seem to become dependent on Delhi to make plays in the pick and roll. But again, worked in game one. We'll see how, how it works going forward. Yeah, I think just about every Bucks fan is terrified at this point of the Delhi floater, of Delhi being really involved in all of those late game actions. Like you said, it worked out in Boston, but we'll see if that'll be the case this weekend. That is going to be it for us for today on Locked On Bucks. Again, a big shout out to all of you for always listening, supporting us, tweeting with us, interacting with us, all of those good things. A big shout out for doing that because we really appreciate it. We will talk to you 
Well, it depends if the Bucks win or lose or kind of the mood Frank or I am in on Friday night. Maybe we'll talk to you after Friday night and you can catch it Saturday morning, or we'll talk to you after this weekend's games, after the Bucks play both the Cavaliers and the Blazers. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you later.